What's up, guys? This is uh, Jason. This is part two of our three-part uh, podcast with uh, Tom Thatcher, who's a professor of New Testament studies at Cincinnati Christian University. If, uh, if you missed out, the other two are on the Podbean website. Hope you have a great day. And there lies the problem, too, because I would say what I gained in my undergrad more than seminary, uh, and seminary, too, but my undergrad, is invaluable to what I am as a pastor. Invaluable. Like I couldn't, and I feel like I yeah. got what I wanted. Um, but if so, but I, you know, I grew up in that Church of Christ world. I went to all the CIYs and the camps. As soon as I graduated, I was going to go to art school, but I went on a mission trip and was like, no, I think I'm going to do ministry. Went straight into a Church of Christ school. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it prepared me to be, especially in that uh, early and mid 90s, that was a marketable job. Like, oh man, we can make mm-hmm. sure you're going to get a thirty thousand dollar salary tomorrow right. yeah. uh, just because you have our degree yeah uh you can go and actually i i think there was a point i talked about in an earlier podcast um where i was like okay if everything goes bad i can always just use my degree and just go work at some church but i think i'm ruined now <laughs> i feel like From i've working gone in church yeah right? like too much facebook pictures <laughs> and posts and gay weddings guys, and things man. like that that make me unemployable <laughs> in the church of christ world but like i was always like i could use that degree <laughs> to get that but more and more i need the knowledge the degree isn't going to pay off unless you're not one of the top, you know, let's say 5% who go to a giant church and play that mm-hmm. gig. Um, so I feel like that's the hard thing. And so how do churches teach people, like, not and not just how to love people and how to care for people, which I think is the ultimate importance. Hey, we need to be those things first. But eventually, if things go the way I feel like they've gone, in 40 years, we're going to be so ignorant of, like, biblical history the biblical illiteracy we'll be really about. great at uh serving people we'll be really great at maybe that's all we need to be but um i feel like the more and more new churches i meet i'm like oh you don't really care about uh the history or the first century or connecting these things you're just more into the the new and the wow um is that is that uh the new and the wow or are they more interested in um people than ideas like is that what you guys are seeing or no? Because 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 my yeah. my problem with a lot of people is I don't think they're really interested in people. Yeah, Cause because they because they, they bail quick. So because that's our experience with the church planning assessment. So we went to two. Yeah, we went to one because we went to one and we already had the whole plan. We knew <laughs> what we were doing. We were already open. But we were like, I guess, man, we, we need to get some we money. Some cash. And I guess these places will help us. So we went. We were the only people that actually had were doing something. Everyone else was like, well, I think I feel called to. I want to one day or maybe this. Yeah, you guys already had a, and the church was Those guys. And so we actually met three of them, I think, since then. The this guys is, that were in those classes the with us. Time we told the story I know, but it, it still refreshes me because these guys were the guys giving money. Hey, they told us, eh, they, you yeah, guys we didn't, didn't pass. Know. These other guys passed. These guys passed. They're giving money, and I've met three of them since then. Who? Yeah, we get. I just gave up. We did it for a while. I'm done. I'm like, I don't understand. Like, what do you mean well, you're I, done? Like, you must have not really ever cared because for them, they wanted. Yeah. Uh, you know, one guy said our podcast, like, you know, insecurities feed into their insecurities. So they wanted the prestige and wanted to look cool. And now they've all gone into banking or sales or something. I mean, that's banking. <laughs> but if you grew up, so in, there you go. You if you grew up in the church, and especially the mid the late nineties, pastor was position prestige. You were on stage, right? And mo- most of us growing up. So my theory, the first year we were a church plant, we went to Catalyst. 
the yeah. big foot. And yeah, it was yeah. the worst thing I've ever been to. Like it was, it was. I cheap. made him go because I had went. He used the word worst a lot. It's all the worst. I made him go because remember, remember when Jenny Baker was the uh, admissions person and she was cool. She didn't know anything about higher ed or admissions. Um, but she sent us all. To, she Dude, spent the listen, school's money to Jenny, send us. Listen, no, listen. she knows this don't. story. Tom doesn't agree she with spent the school's <laughs> money and took us all to Catalyst, which has nothing to do with our job. But hey, spiritually, I was like, yeah, this really helped me out. This is great. Thanks for the, you know, you need spiritual help, man. And so, so uh, we went there and everything. Oh, that was really good. So then years later, I took Jason. It was just youth group for twenty five yeah. years. It's like you guys who just got into yeah, pa- so they're just going to pastoral stuff, and it's it's the big conference with the really good band and the really polished speaker, and so we grew up, and that's what the pastor's job was, right? He got up on stage, he gave a really good inspirational sermon, and you didn't see behind the scenes of the the broken families he was meeting with and the the, yeah. the budget meetings and these kind of things, and so what's happened is a lot of these guys wanted to be on stage to be a pastor. They got to that part of the job, but they didn't. The behind the scenes stuff they weren't in because they that's really were, because they didn't care about people. Right. So my thing is, I'll put up with everything, anything that's negative about ministry. I'll put up with because I because I love people. Yeah, that's and, well, and everything that's else is worth it. Is worth investing in people. Um, and if you don't have that mindset, you can't stick. But none of these guys stuck because it wasn't people they were chasing after. It was some other notion of what it meant to be a pastor or a leader. Leadership, I think, well, is the most negative thing that's happened to the church. And that's, and, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with that, too. Uh, leadership is not well, the, the leadership is unhealthy, I think. Theoretical leadership. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, this is what a leader is. What a leader does is how a leader does. Leaders, and, leaders do this. Leaders reproduce. Leaders do this. Here's what Bill Gates does. Here's what Warren Buffett does. Here's, like, these kind of... So we'll, we'll And use, I would argue... Sorry, go ahead. We'll use those guys as models for this. We'll say, okay, here's Bill Gates, 1068. Bill Gates reads an hour a day. Here's what successful leaders do. They read an hour a day. It's fine. It's been, wisdom and knowledge where I can get it, none of you have taught me anything about what it means to wash people's feet yet. Well, and leadership in the church. And that's the, the only model given us for what leadership is. Leadership has to be different than yeah, leadership in their culture. I, like, so one of my struggles as a small business owner is small business owners, if you ever talk to any of them or if you ever, it, it, the words are profit and gain and growing and... Well, you need to, you need to... Right. <laughs> Which is, it's not bad. That's, that's normal talk. Yeah, but... but uh, Everything as a pastor, as a Christian, tells me I empty myself, I give, I don't profit, I, I, and so how do I, as a small business owner, being a Christian, uh, you know, balance those two? And so with the idea, and so for me, it works out in that our business is less successful because I'm going to care about people uh, more than I'm going to care about profit. Uh, so gonna, man, here's the here's the challenge um, around that whole thing in my in my view. On the one hand, like, and you guys have have adopted that uh, that model very well, where it's highly relational. Yeah. Um, the the so you have a lot of depth in the way your ministry functions. This is just observational. No, like, you know people intimately. Yeah. You're you're interconnected with their lives in ways other than through the organization. In fact, I would assume if your if your church shut down, you probably would. St- well, there's probably some people you just do not be around, but others that not many. I think connected. it would not change. We you would not. We could never like not be the church that. anymore. That's, that's um, sort of how we. The the and this is something most uh, bigger churches would not articulate this way, but it is it is a reality that there is a um, there is a um, there's a scalability issue around that too. Yes. So. At the end of the day, I mean, I have so I'm a Jesus scholar, right? And I'm all my all of my professional time is in the world of late Second Temple Judaism in the first century. And I mean, the the primitive Christians were in theory like driven by a real sense of eschatological urgency, like today or tomorrow the world's, the world's going to end, end, and a just society is going to be imposed. And 
if you're on the wrong side of that, it's not going to be it's not going to be good. So you have you have images of Jesus. Um, I think you and I talked about this just one time too, where Jesus ta- when he sends his, he sends the disciples out. You know, he tells them to um, go out and stay. You know, don't worry about where you stay and and such as that. And at the end of one of those sections, it's in Luke nine or ten. He talks about you shake the dust off your feet of people that you're done mm-hmm. with. And it's but he says it'll be more tolerable. Um, for Sodom on that day, than it will be for that that city that rejected you. Do you guys remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope you do. Because no. otherwise, I will. <laughs> what are you looking at? Uh, for those who can't see, he's looking so, at me, not so, Jason. Um, yeah, I know the story. I'm, looking, I'm just looking around the room. <laughs> what <laughs> but anyway, I actually, for me, that kind of frames up missionally what Jesus' conception of the church is. Because if you go back to the Sodom story, Sodom and Gomorrah story which now is just every time it's talked about it's like here's what's wrong with all the gays right right but that's actually not that's the, not the, the focus of the story at all to the, poor. <laughs> the story is that um this there's this good guy named lot who's living in this town that's absolutely corrupt it's just um the people are selfish and materialistic and they're idolatrous but this guy is like a faithful person living in the midst of this like broken city and these two angels go into the town because they're going to destroy the town, right? The fire and brimstone thing. Right. But the whole background of that story is these two angels are going in there to get Lot and his family and rescue them right. before this before this judgment comes where God's like, I'm tired of all this injustice. I'm going to fix it. And I think that's kind of the underlying pattern in that story where Jesus sends his disciples out. Like, I'm sending you out on a rescue mission to get, people to get as many people out as you can because pretty soon God's going to get sick of this. And the is going to be up. So I, I say that to say this. So we're in a in a metro area between like Drivers, Kentucky, and I seventy of about three and a half million people. Okay, um, what's the percentage? In, I mean, Cincinnati is a really high percentage of people involved in a church, but I think it's it's not much it's more like 30, than 38%. Yeah, it's only not even fifty percent. So as we're sitting here right now, I mean, part of me, and this is the burden I face, man, of being a person who is very institutionalized in like, you know, um, theological higher education and how that fits to the church is that in the time we're sitting here recording this, that means that over 2 million people just in our driving distance are, are in danger, whatever that means, that they're not where they should be with God right now. So like, I think what the, what the larger churches are doing effectively is they've adopted a corporate model because mm-hmm. the corporate model can process a lot more customers right. at a much, much lower level of engagement. Um, so some of the really, really large churches in Cincinnati that are, you know, five to 25,000 people, you're never going to talk to that pastor. Right. Never, never, never yeah. any opportunity. Right. Never. Unless never. you happen to grab the dude as he's walking right. down off the stage. And you'd be lucky to even get to the second level. Yeah, like we've had people, church, you know, so. who go to other big churches and come talk to us, and we're like, "Don't you have your own pastors?" Like, they just don't. Right, well, they get pastoral they care they, from they us that they can't them. get anywhere else. So I, th- I think what the larger, what the corporate model is doing is saying, "Okay, we, we know we can't get the depth of relationship this way." Do you think they know that though? Um, I think that they're so the industrial technological model is is volume. Um, you know, I, I you know, I mean, if if I want an artisan product. I got to go to, uh, you know, you're an artist, right? right? I want it from you. I got to go to you. Uh, but you can only make like one or two. So right. Hobby Lobby is going to have somebody print off 100,000 and put them on the shelf. Right. 
And so the artistic quality is not going to be the same, but the volume is higher. And so I think that it's that, um, it's that, that's the challenge, right? Is right. with a really relationally intense ministry model, you can't, you can't, you just cannot reach a huge Good. part of the population. So the positive, you guys asked me before, like what I would, uh, I don't have a problem at all. In fact, I affirm uh, what some of these larger churches are doing because they're they're able to connect to a lot of people and they and they spread their message out even if like uh, it's more diluted right right than it would be a more diluted form of faith they're at least able to reach a lot of people who otherwise would have no exposure at all the the challenge uh, that the church in America faces whatever that means man or for whatever that's worth is that that works in some like we said there are some sectors of the of the culture and some not so like in some in major major metropolitan areas you know where the city of new york new york greater new york in new jersey right has more population than ohio and indiana combined yeah so any of the biggest churches that are out here in kentucky man there's more people there okay those people that model does not work they're just not interested in that sort of a corporate approach. So like the trick would be probably how to create this deeper right. relational network I mean, that you guys are talking about. That, uh, that, that they Brian Tome told us that when we first... When Brian we, from, and, from Cross Yeah, Cross. in 2007, we met with, 2008, we met with him. Said, hey, we're thinking about doing a church in Oakland. What do you think? Because you're here. And he was like, well, what kind of church do you want to be? And we, we didn't really have an answer at that moment. But he's like, well, let me tell you, if you want to be like us, he's like, I'd probably tell you you need to go somewhere else geographically. Mm-hmm. He's like, but if you want to be anti us, he's like, you guys will do great. Oh, and, I think that's very true. And, and without that, without trying at all, like that, I never even thought. I actually thought that was dumb. That Dave's like, well, I don't want to be anti anything. And <laughs> and but we, um, that's exactly what we become. Uh, and sometimes pridefully, and sometimes not anti, fun. just alternative. Yeah, so just like, an alternative. Well, that's a, so, so like that's, you you run a coffee shop, right? Yeah, and a tea shop, and it's a great place. You want to tell the address, man, for anybody? <laughs> everybody <laughs> yeah, knows. Everybody knows. We have like seventy So, but there's also Starbucks all over the place here, and Panera. So right. like, your alternative is, um, you know, your product. We're not saying Starbucks is terrible, and our product is that much better. Huh. Although <laughs> it probably is. It might be. What you're saying is, better. when you come in here. Um, we know your name. Right. You yeah. Can and that's why people come back. Kids' birthday party. Yeah. And that's what. So, but there's there's a need for Starbucks and there's a need for this. Right. And I think and I think that's wise. We and one of the friends, Matt, we talked to, who's at who's at North Star Community Church now. Used to be at the Big Vineyard. Right. Yeah. And his yeah. philosophy was until everybody's a Christian, there's room for more churches. There's dude. Right? There's we and, desperately and, need. So in in yeah. Oakley, we planted a we planted this church in this neighborhood, which has the largest church in the city of Cincinnati a quarter of a mile from where we sit right now. Right? Yeah. Now, they don't tend to pull a lot of folks from this neighborhood. So this neighborhood has 14,000 people in it. The same 37% of Oakley sure. residents are Christians. Right. That means 60% are not. Right? And so oh, yeah, the mega big... church wasn't making an impact on that number in this community. Um, and it, and we you got to get a lot of people before we start making it. So we pulled our 150 people for right now and Hopefully, because, and we've talked about this before, there's another church wants to open in Oakley. Our immediate response is to be super defensive and insecure. Dude, the market is huge. I mean, it's uh, it's just, and I don't mean that like in a, to reduce people to a market. Right. But there's a lot there's of people. There's a lot of people. And so like what Crossroads is doing there has been fantastic as far as reaching 
there's people going there, man, that never been to church in their life. Right. A lot. I think that's probably the norm. Right. And there are people. And we'll who, never who, help sex trafficking in India. Like they we'll never do. No, I mean, in Africa. Yeah. No, the, and the resources they have and the way they mobilize people to use not only their money but their personal skills to engage them is fantastic. Um, but there are some people who are going to look at that. Um, my son is one of these people. My son has grown up in my house. He's a great guy. He's 18 years old. He's going to college. He just doesn't like he doesn't right. like the church. That's what our church is made up. Of. So yeah. he's looking for, but he loves God. So he's looking for a way to serve Christ. You should tell him to come and, to the I, well, I should tell him. Yeah, um, yeah. Hey, but so but that goes back to what I was saying earlier because I agree with all that. And I, um, I'm glad. But, I'm, but, I feel good. And, <laughs> no, dude, I feel, Jason agreed. He'd be like, oh, okay. But, no, no, no. But like, uh, but even the bigger places, they're saying, well, we don't need seminary trained people anymore because we can train you up in well, our own system and to so, produce. And I think eventually people get dumber that way. Wow. So what they're <laughs> saying is this, and, and this is, um, and actually, because you guys were talking about Crossroads, they, uh, their staff has been very very public about this, that that's a challenge that they find. Um, the reality is, so to, to back to where my world is, I do see, you mentioned this before, man. There is going to be increasingly going forward a movement for churches, individual churches, right. to take responsibility for preparing pastors, people to serve, right. to, yep. to be pastors, yeah. to be a pastoral staff. Now, so in the past, traditionally, the church denominationally has done that. So the Catholic Church has its seminaries right. and their Presbyterian seminaries and Methodist seminaries. And even in, in the context of like the Christian church tribe, tribe, you know, we have schools that prepare people confessionally. And that's because historically, you know, we got you can't forget too, man, this idea that you would have a church of, I mean, back in the 70s even, a church of 500 people was a massive church. Mm -hmm. That was huge. Yeah. The average, but it's still huge. The average church in America today is still 80 people. Right. So the, the you point to exceptions, like you look at Joel Osteen, it's like, oh my gosh, this big church. That's again in a metro area of over 5 million people. I mean, we still in Texas. See in Texas. Yeah, Houston. Down in everything Houston. Big in Texas. So the fourth largest city in America. He's got like what now up to forty something thousand yeah. people. That's still a statistically insignificant portion of the population. So like, what's going to happen though? You, those churches are large enough to have the resources that previously the denomination needed to have. Yeah. So it used to be you got fifty churches get together. They, they have 50,000 people. They, they started well, I mean, that's college. What you're seeing and, with uh, Christ the King here in Cincinnati, yeah. you know, Christ the King? Because yeah, uh, they're you know, starting a third campus or two, and they're starting their own, basically, seminary. Just trying, there, trying to connect. But, so, but does that only prepare people? And this, I've actually had one of my friends is in their classes and goes there. And I'm trying to, does it only prepare you to work for their context of churches? Or is it preparing you well, for... Well, um, honestly, I, uh, you're... So... Again, man, I encourage people to come to come to seminary and to pursue that. I think it prepares a lot of those skills are transcendent. Right. So what it does prepare people very well for is to do the the business of ministry. What it doesn't do is what you said before. Is most churches don't have the resources to give people a um, a, a philosophical or a theological perspective right. on what they're doing, and that's and that's not a criticism. It's just observational. That's the danger for that kind of a system. The, so the positive about that is you get incredible on the ground skills development right, right, right. in how to that you can get in people. seminary. Yeah, you can't get that in a classroom. And right. you don't have fifty thousand dollars in debt when you get. And you don't have debt. 
but what you cannot get through that is um, the the um, and I'm not saying because I teach biblical stuff. I'm not saying like you know in any arrogant way. No, it's true. If what I'm going to get a totally degree true. in business, I have to take a bunch of courses in economics right. that are theoretical, so that I understand how that system works. And I think what you're seeing, uh, well, dude, this is a whole other topic, but is a is a um, well, here, here, what you're seeing is increasing number of people doing ministry. But this is not just in big churches. This is guys like oh, me yeah, too yeah, totally. yeah, I agree. that didn't go through that that are starting a coffee shop church, and increasing number of people where there's not a depth of of connection to historically what Christianity was right. through the Bible, through their understanding of theology, right? right through their awareness of church history, like how we got to where we are now. Right. And there's a certain limited value to that but i do think i i don't think i know that you guys as as open as you two guys are to um the priesthood of all believers and all yeah. that stuff the fact is people still expect you to be experts oh, oh yeah and even look, when we try not to be they they're want looking to, be. to you so when they have questions about you know so my company uh the hr consultant is telling me we're going to have to do something about uh about gay about gay healthcare and all, I just don't know what to do. Like they're expecting you to provide yeah, some kind of expertise. Yeah. And what has happened though, um, because we live in a mass media culture, is another level of um, of how do I want to say this? Of um, there's another level of access to a more popular level version of uh, biblical and theological teaching that comes through like. Uh, individuals who have become mass media news right, right, right. That, and who become like who sort of represent like the pop theology right. of American culture so like many many I mean many 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 churches uh, small and large um, if you if you have a real serious question um, about something the answer you're going to get is something that somebody heard on Andy Stanley's podcast or they read on somebody's blog over here that's um, that's good content. It's just it just lacks the kind of depth like that guys like you could bring because you actually have spent time developing your own insights well, into this. And the thing I worry about with that is something I worry about culturally. It's larger too. Is it's easier and easier to live in an echo chamber that we select the echoes. Yeah, man. So reality reality has become a commodity that I can shape however I want. I can choose which news source I watch which authors I listen to, which speakers I have, we're allowing that to happen. I see this especially, like, um, and not to be critical, but I actually, I can be with this, is well, like the Acts, <laughs> with the Acts 29 movement, as they sort of push back on seminary as the liberal institutions, then they create this thing that, it, it might teach you the, the, the sort of conservative Calvinist answers to these questions. It doesn't teach you how to evaluate those answers or how to look and engage in the larger conversation that the church has been having for years, so you effectively can become a mouthpiece of the tradition, um, in the same way that, that that radical radical Islam teaches kids to memorize the Quran yeah. and just recite it back. Right? You're not taught to think about it. You're taught to to spout mm. it off. Are yeah. in those movements that are sort of because higher education wouldn't let you get away with that because no. of the way you have to do accreditation and all those kind of things. You can't do those things. So no. in seminary, I was taught not what to think. Um, I had professors who tried. But I, I was huh. taught. I was taught how Good to look. think. It's true. I was taught I, how I to think like in seminary, that. and I was like, "Oh, so yeah. I have an idea, and I know what my idea is. Now I know where to bounce that off. Yeah, of. I that's know where exactly to go evaluate right. that idea and see whether it's good or not." The degree helped 
Because I've said this to people in our church. I'm going to ask you to believe something crazy about Jesus. I had better be credentialed when I ask you to, to abandon oh my what you've been holding on to as a theological truth for your whole life. If you believe Jesus was born in a wooden manger with a barn surrounded by these specific type of animals and, and the Holy Family was there like, because that's what you he saw was. in your nativity, he wasn't. We know, we know it's his role. Yeah. I was actually looking. What? The, this is really Every time I go into a house where I see wise men at the manger, I always take them. And oh, put come them on, in, I put them in another room. What's wrong with the wise Because they were over here. They're like, three, moment, they're like two years away. Maybe. We don't know. <laughs> I don't like years? it, man. <laughs> but, so, but so if I'm going to ask people... Visionist man. If I'm going to ask people to engage in cognitive dissonance, I need to have some background on which to do that, not mean, just because I said so. So if I'm going to ask you to imagine the nativity in a new way, oh, it I can't see. be just because I've told you that. Now I can appeal to say, okay, well, I read this, and I studied this, and I studied this. And if I do that over a long enough period of time, when I then ask you to lay down your life in the service of somebody else, when I ask right. you to give up your rights, when I ask you to do those kind of things, if I built up that personality that says, oh, Jason has read and has studied and has learned, he's not just spouting off of the mouth like he does when he talks about politics or like he does when he talks about sports, then hopefully that that, that, that You motherfuckers need Jesus! Then you